We come this uh, Easter Sunday to declare that Christ has risen. And I want to take us to actually another story of Jesus this morning, which also speaks of resurrection. Because today I want to speak to you about the theme of restoring broken dreams. And I want to unpack and apply a passage from John 11, where Jesus makes one of the boldest and audacious statements ever recorded in human history. And these are his words from John 11 and verse 25, where he says, Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. And anyone who believes in me will live, even after dying. I am the resurrection and the life. Now, we don't like, particularly we Australians, to talk about death. We often don't like to think about death. But we experience death all through our lives. Not just physical death. Sometimes it's the death of a relationship. The death of a marriage. The death of a family. Sometimes... It's the death of a dream. While it wasn't perfect, I grew up in a loving family with two parents who sought the best for me and for my five younger sisters. Though it wasn't always easy. (laughs) For me either. (laughs) But we were constantly on the move much of that time. And it meant Establishing and then losing friendships and familiar things to have to relocate with my dad's work into new and different circumstances on a regular basis. And though my parents wanted us to have whatever opportunity we could, which, which we could, which included being regularly involved in our local churches. But I know that many of you grew up in families and in childhoods for reasons that I can't fully comprehend, that were painful for you. Some of you were deeply hurt in the family in which you grew up in. While for me, I did grow up in a family, in a home, where I was blessed to have two parents who made positive contributions on my life. We didn't have lots of money, but they were generous with what they had. And they made sacrifices, sacrifices to enable us to have positive experiences, particularly through education and, in my case, sport. It was while in my probably late 20s, about 30s of age, that I was pastoring in Broken Hill. I remember receiving a call from my mum informing that Dad had been rushed to hospital with an apparent stroke. He was only in his mid-fifties. I rushed down to Sydney to find that Dad had both a stroke and a heart attack. Now, Dad survived that stroke, though it took a long time to recover. Eventually, he went back to work. But however, things were never the same. A very independent man lost that independence. 
and had to learn to rely upon others. Particularly my mum. Relationships weren't easy. And he fell out with many organisations with which he had worked. They had a further heart attack 10 years later and then he died of a massive attack in 2001 when Judy and I were in the USA. I was actually paged at Miami airport and told to ring my eldest daughter who informed me of dad's passing. Many of you know what it's like to receive news like that. News that changes everything. You get the phone call, you get the message, please show up at your door. You know, it's interesting in the scene where Jesus makes this unbelievable statement about the resurrection and the life that there is bad news that is going on. It is a very difficult scene. So let me give you the context. Beginning from verse 1 in chapter In John chapter 11, it says, A man named Lazarus was sick, and he lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. So the sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. Now, this town of Bethany was like, a, I guess, like a suburb of Jerusalem. It was like a couple of miles outside of the Jerusalem city itself. And Mary and Martha and Lazarus, were brother and sisters, and Jesus had become good friends with them. And so whenever he was in the Jerusalem area, he would often come and visit with them and stay with them. And so one day Lazarus gets sick. We don't know what it is. We don't know whether there was a coughing up of blood or had a fever or found a lump somewhere or experienced chest pains. And it happens every day. He went to the medical professionals that would have been around in that day and they just shook their head and said, there's nothing we can do. Now I want to pause right there in that story Because while I know that some of you are celebrating some really great things in this particular season of life, there are others of you, Haru, who are in a season of pain right now and you are really hurting. And maybe you have gotten news like this, like the news I got one day. The one whom you love has had a massive stroke and heart attack. The the dad that you love is sick. Or maybe it was the one that you loved has cancer. Or the job that you love is going away. Or the boyfriend or girlfriend you love is breaking it off. Or your dream marriage is turning into a nightmare. Or the news that you can't have children. Or maybe you just got a call from the principal of the high school want to talk to you about your teenage son and it wasn't about some award you earned so in the middle of this scene in this bad scene Jesus does something amazing 
He says something amazing in verse 4 when he says, but when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for, for the glory of God so that the Son of God will glorify from this. He is saying that God is going to bring glory to himself through this thing that looks really bad at the time. Through this thing that looks like the worst thing, it's going to become a good thing. Let me just summarise the next following verses. Basically, everyone believes that Jesus is going to come to Lazarus. And guess what Jesus does? Nothing. For two days, two full days, he doesn't do a thing. He just hangs out. He's miles away from Bethany with no, and he's there with no urgency. They're freaking out. He's just hanging out. And then Jesus tells his disciples, guys, we need to go back to Judea. That's where the area where Jerusalem and Bethany are. We need to go because Lazarus has fallen asleep and I have to wake him up. And when he says he's fallen asleep, he doesn't mean that he's literally fallen asleep. He's using that as a metaphor to say that Lazarus has died and we need to go and to raise him from the dead. So I want to look at three people in this story, all who had broken dreams. And maybe at some point in your life, you will identify with one, if not all three of them, with broken dreams that you have had. Let's start with Thomas. Thomas was dealing with dreams broken by doubt. Dreams broken by doubt. Thomas is already famous by his nickname. We know him by what? His Doubting Thomas. And verse 16 in this passage says that Thomas, nicknamed the twin or Didymus, said to his disciples, let's go to and die with Jesus. He's actually saying this in a sarcastic kind of way because he's saying, well, if we're going to go with him, we might as well die as well because Thomas has doubts that this is going to work out very well if we go back with him. And why? Because the last time they were there, the religious leaders tried to kill Jesus. And so this time he says, we're all going to die, aren't we, if we go back? Show me hands. Show me your hands. If you want to, if you want to be honest about something, I wonder how, put your hand up, how many of you at some times have wrestled, wrestled with spiritual doubts? My hand goes up. Because most of us have. The rest of you can just polish your highlights for a few minutes while I talk to real people. <laughs> because everybody I know, at some point in their life, prayed a prayer. And they believed that God could or that God would. But then God didn't do what they thought he would do. And the results... We have doubts. God, why didn't you? Or maybe you grew up with a very simple faith in Jesus and you went off to university and your lecturers told you that none of this is really true. 
And you ask, is this true? Did I just too easily embrace my parents' faith? And you have doubts. Or maybe you believed in God and maybe you had something bad happen to you to some, or to someone that you loved and you think God is good and God is loving and why did he allow this to happen? Isn't God powerful? Why did this happen? And you have doubts. Suddenly you're like Thomas. Your dreams are broken by doubts. On that good Friday, everything looked so dark and dreams were shattered. Or maybe you're like Mary in this story because the dreams are broken by discouragement. You see, when Jesus arrives at the sea, Mary is so discouraged when she hears that Jesus was there. While her sister goes out to greet Jesus, she stays in the house. She says, kind of, why bother? Lazarus is already dead. It's too late. Nothing can be done now. And that's some of you right now. You're in a situation in your life where your dreams have been broken with discouragement and you think that there is nothing that can be done about it now. I'm always going to be lonely. I'm always going to be depressed. I'm always going to have this dead-end job. I'm never going to have the marriage that I dreamed of. Or maybe the person you relate to in the story is Martha, whose dreams were broken by delay. You know, one of the things that is universally true of all of us is that we hate to wait, don't we? We hate to wait for our computers or our devices to fire up or to download quickly. We hate to wait for someone to respond to our text messages or emails. I waited 44 years for Geelong to win an AFL premiership. (laughs) Finally in 2007. Sometimes we can wait so long for many years because our dream gets delayed. Verse 17 tells us that when Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in his grave for four days. Four days? Why does that matter? Because we need to understand that in Martha's mind, Lazarus wasn't just mostly dead. He was all the way dead. He was dead dead. Flatlined, kick the bucket, six foot under, pushing up daisies, dead. So that when Jesus arrives at the scene, Martha says in verse 21, Lord, if only you had been there, my brother would not have died. If only. As if she's saying, why did you delay? Why did you wait? Why didn't you come sooner? It would never have happened if you'd been here earlier. If only. And all of us have if onlys in our lives, don't we? If only I had not said those words. 
If only I had made a wiser decision. If only I had gone to the doctor earlier. If only I had quit smoking. If only I had sought help with my marriage earlier. If only I had told her that I loved her. If only I hadn't quit. If only I had said please or thank you. And so on. When I arrived back in Australia after my father died, I drove straight to Newcastle to say my own private farewell to his body before his funeral later that day. A good thing was that I knew that he'd be in heaven with one of my sisters who had previously died. But on the other side, the other part of that, part of a dream had died. To be honest with you, as many of you know, in a moment like that, it's hard to see God doing anything good out of that moment. And it's hard to see God bringing glory to himself in any way in that moment. And so everything looks bad. So when Martha says to Jesus in verse 22, but even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Martha looks to Jesus and even now with her dreams broken by doubts, dreams broken by discouragement, dreams broken by delay, even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask. And some of you today on this Easter Sunday need to have an even now moment with God. Even now in the midst of your broken dreams, God can come into your life through the presence of his Holy Spirit that will bring you a peace that passes all understanding. Even now God can reach out into our dysfunctional families and bring healing and restoration and forgiveness. Even now, if you come to him with a day, if you've come today with a heart that is cold and callous towards God and the things of God, even now God can change that so that your heart becomes soft and you can be open to God's activity in your life. Verse 23, Jesus tells her, your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha, he will rise when everyone else rises at the last day. And she responds, yes, I know that. And my friends back at the house keep reminding me that, but at the moment it hurts. And it is that moment that Jesus says these words, the most significant words that have ever been spoken in the history of the world. He says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. And anyone who believes in me will live, even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? I am the resurrection. I want you to notice he doesn't say that I do resurrections. He says, I am the resurrection. It's who I am. The resurrection is not just an event we celebrate today. 
It's a person. It isn't what Jesus does, it is who Jesus is. So Jesus arrives at the tomb of Lazarus where there is a big tombstone blocking the entrance and he says, roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested, Lord, it has been dead, been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. And those of you who know Martha from the Bible know how particular hostess she was. She would not have responded too well to any odour coming from the tomb. It would be horrible. But then Jesus shouts, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and his feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped with a headcloth, and Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. And at that moment, the celebration begins. And it doesn't take long for the news of the miracle to travel, and it reaches Jerusalem. And by the time it gets there, the religious leaders are getting worried, and they say, we have to do something about Jesus. It's getting out of hand. We have to take care of this, and we've got to do something about it now. And while this miracle delayed Lazarus' death, I want you to understand it accelerated Jesus' death. It was within days of this miracle, within days, that Jesus is arrested and falsely accused and underwent a mock trial and is beaten and murdered on a cross on Good Friday for our sins. And now the one who called Lazarus from the grave is stuck and locked in his own tomb. But on Easter morning, everything changes and the eyes that closed on the cross open in the grave. The hands and fingers that were limp behind the nails straightened in the dark. The body that was crushed on a hill regained strength and walked out of the tomb and he is alive. And this same Jesus who walked out of the tomb says to us, I am the resurrection and the life and anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never ever die. Do you believe this? That was the question I was struggling with when I got the news that my father had the stroke and the heart attack and again when he died. Do I believe this really? I'd grown up believing it. I'd been taught as a child about it. I'd been baptised when I was 13 years of age. But this was the real test of my faith and my life. Do I believe it now? Do I trust it now? And what I have come to understand is that losing one's dad or any loved one is an experience that every one of us will have. One day for every person on this earth will be their last day. And there will be one thing, only one thing that will really matter on that day and that will be whether they have a relationship with God through his son Jesus Christ. question will be, have they experienced the resurrection and the life? Fortunately, my dad did, and I know that one day I'll see him again. 
And I know that God asked me to put my hand in his so that from that experience I would spend the rest of my life helping people prepare for that day. You see, from that experience, God gave me an even now moment. A fresh dream of ministry. And it's become my passion and my purpose and my obsession to help anyone I can to prepare for their last day on this planet. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. And notice it says anyone. No matter what you've done, no matter what your background, no matter what mistakes one has made, anyone who believes in me will live after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never ever die. Do you believe that? Do you? Or maybe you could come to believe it today. The same Jesus who called Lazarus to come out of the grave calls us to come out from our broken dreams. And I'm wondering who is willing to rise up this Easter Sunday and honour the one who rose up out of the tomb. It takes courage, takes humility to stand up and say that I need the resurrection and the life. Don't let pride get in the way. And don't let fear stand in your way. And if you feel a heaviness of heart, then maybe that's God calling you to himself. He's calling us out of the tomb that we are in like he called Lazarus from which he also arose in a moment I'm going to pray and Dan and the team are going to come and lead us in two last songs and while we are standing and singing I'm going to go down the front of the empty tomb to reaffirm what I believe, that I am following the resurrection and the life. And I invite anyone to join me. Whether you've got shattered dreams, whether you doubt, whether you're discouraged or tired of waiting, but you want your dreams restored and declare from this day that you want to believe in the resurrection and the life. This is a new day. Let me pray. Father, we come before you as the the resurrected Lord. And Father, we thank you for what you were prepared to go through on our behalf. Why do we want to reaffirm our belief in you as the resurrected Lord who continues to live today? We come to celebrate 
the enormity of your love for us. We come to commit ourselves to continue to following you. In Jesus' name, amen.